Hello, and welcome to Stream It, the podcast where we explore movies. Old favorites, new favorites, and every so often movies we love just a little bit less. This is Season 5, Episode 7, and today we are going to be talking about RRR from the year 2022. A long time ago. All the way back, what, like 18 days or something. As always, my name is Zachary Ortz, I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined this week, just like each week preceding this week, by our very own RRR, Rathew Revolt Rotkins. Hey, Ratty, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, yeah. It's a, I appreciate that name. Uh, I appreciate the middle name of Revolt. I feel like that, that works. Um, so, yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. that. You can go by Ratty now. I told you I'd have a good Sounds one good. for you this week. Uh, yeah, it's it's perfect. Ratty, I'm going to start uh, adding up business <laughs> cards. Uh, I, kn- I knew that I was going to have... Um, revolt in there somewhere i just had to figure out the exact wording perfect yeah hopefully hopefully i don't get lambasted lambasted right that's how you pronounce that word that's a little bit of a spoiler because like listen i did not know what the rrr stood for at all when i turned this movie on and you don't find out for like 30 minutes so you know i don't know yeah maybe it is too much of a spoiler i don't think so though i think it's It's fine fine. to find a look up yeah uh all right yeah so we're talking about rrr let's talk a little bit about personal history here um i know you who should go first who makes the most sense i don't know it's a i didn't know very much about it when i watched it so you know okay why don't you go first what did you know coming in and what were your sort of expectations well so i knew that everyone was talking about this movie in like March of last year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some, somewhere around that range. And, um, I saw like a gif from the, from it. I can't even remember which one. Um, it was the two guys like walking in the fields. And then I remember oh, people sure, yeah. saying that like it was, a Bollywood movie, which is not accurate. It's a Tollywood movie, but you know, yeah. a lot of the same principles involved. And so then it was getting rave reviews, and we were like, we should do it for Stream It. And so I avoided every other piece of media that I could for this film for the next, like, seven months until I watched it, uh, <laughs> like, you know, a week and a half ago, something like that. So... I deliberately knew as little as possible as this movie to the point that I didn't even know the title. I mean, I knew that it was RRR, but I had no idea what that meant. And so I came in and I was like, this is, I'm completely clueless. I don't even know anything. Um, So that's what I knew about the film. Yeah. So I watched it for the first time in May, I think, May or June, a little bit after when everyone was talking about it and sort of through like the various movie podcasts that I've picked up as a result of doing this podcast, I had heard a lot of the like rumblings about this. So I knew that we were looking at some pretty great action set pieces. And I knew that I was getting into a movie that was long. I knew that I was getting into a movie with subtitles. And I had heard that even though it was long, don't be 
nervous about the three-hour runtime because you won't really feel it. So that's what I knew initially, and then I rewatched it this time for the podcast. And coming into this watch, this has been this is near the top of my movies for 2022. So this is a movie that I loved and had recommended to a couple people, um, including friend of the pod uh, Evan Foss who, when we asked for suggestions on Netflix, he said, oh, you should you should cover RRR. I want to hear you guys talk about that. And ever and since here I we watched, are. And here Request we are. Request granted. R. 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 Here we are, R. R. Talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And it's a movie that I have been looking forward to talking to you about. And also a movie that I have not... Like, I've recommended it to several people in the office, but I have not really gotten to talk to anyone about it except for Evan. So it, it has, he's the only one that my recommendation on it has, has trickled down to. Gotcha. Yeah. Though, you know, I've, I was planning on watching it the whole time. Uh, I just wanted no, to know. No, I know. But the then once experience. we, once we programmed it, it's always good to have yeah. a rewatch and a first watch. I think for the podcast, it's a night good it's to fun. get that yeah. diversity. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we hadn't been planning it for the podcast, I would have watched this in the summer. Um, yeah. Because it was like high on my list. I wanted to see it. And so uh, I planned that, but put, specifically put it off so that we could have a fresh reaction. And I think it was worth it. Um, and, oh, the other thing to add on is this was the last movie that I watched of 2022. So number 51. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting at 51 right now. But it's yeah. re- I'm only 30 minutes away from finishing my 52nd if I ever finish uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. <laughs> The, yeah, if, if that ever happens, if I ever watch, that's the other one that's on my list to watch. Uh, I've got a few documentaries to watch, so technically I'm at 52. Um, but, you know, in the year 2022, I watched this on the, th- I watched it on the 31st. So, um, got it done then. Yeah, I still expect before our year-end review podcast, I'm guessing I'm going to be about at about 70. I'm looking at the movies that I want to watch, and a lot of them I'm just waiting to hit streaming or hoping they will hit streaming in a way where I don't have to pay for them or I can pay a little less for them because uh yeah 18 movies is a is a lot to pay pay for all of them it's expensive yeah I don't mind paying for some of them but I also have to be responsible about it yeah I mean quick side note tangent man having movies as a hobby is expensive so all y'all listening to this like it it's an expensive hobby it's it just you know even when you're streaming and finding things as cheap as possible i'm spending you know like a grand easily on movies every single year uh so i don't know quick side note yeah well you go to the movie theaters quite a bit more than i do and also you generally go with you have the ability to go with more people than i do i max out it too so yeah and I go with everyone I can drag to the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. So, which is more. Uh, I don't think we need need to say anything else about why we chose this movie. I think we sort of covered it. It is getting a lot of awards buzz, which we will talk about a little bit here in sort of the in sort of the stats. So it's it is nice to have nice to cover a show a movie that's that's getting the buzz i guess it does complete our uh 
movies on Netflix from 2022 that are anti-colonialist uh, yes, duology. It, 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 yes, completes that duology. Uh, yeah, so that's couples from, with um, the sea beast nicely. I think, uh, obviously, I think it's it's a, a pretty clear one to do. But I think also the fact that so much of the buzz in the Western Hemisphere for this film came through streaming and Netflix specifically mm-hmm. uh, makes it the perfect film for us to cover. Because basically, like, the biggest streaming event of last year, uh, probably. I don't know. Some, somewhere in mm. that area. Glass Onion's probably bigger. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, yes, it is a movie that found a lot of success through streaming. In fact, it reopened in theaters due to the success, its streaming success, and then people being like, oh, man, I wish I could see this in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, that's what I thought after I watched it. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, but we can go on from there. Yeah, I think we justified it. It's a, it's a, it's a film that was worth watching. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've got two time periods here. Once again, this is a period piece. So we have the time period that we're in, the 1920s, and then uh, 2022. So we just have a couple things that we want to say about 2022. We've talked about this year a lot we're in the midst of coming out of a pandemic and everything that that entails so i think one of the big things for this movie is this was a really good year i think a lot of the like art films uh have not performed quite as well at the box office as people would have hoped but a lot of the big blockbuster films the things that you really gain something by either seeing them on the big screen or seeing them with loud sound or seeing them with a group of people have really benefited and people have been roaring back to the theaters to see those movies. So RRR is like, it's still a foreign language film. So it's still like 71st on the box office list. But I think when I think about 2022, even though it, the numbers pale in comparison to the likes of Top Gun Maverick or even the three Marvel movies, uh, Black Panther, Thor, Thor 4, and uh, what's the other one? Oh yeah, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And then of course, uh, Avatar. Like this was a big movie, a big, a big year for blockbuster movie comebacks. And it, it was heralded a little bit um with spider-man like they happened before but uh this rrr would not have had would not have been able to be 71st or pull in the numbers that it did in 2021 i don't think no it's a yeah you do see all these movies kind of coming back to the the box office but also just kind of the revitalization of movie theaters everybody thought they were dead i don't know it was weird because so many people were saying oh movie theaters dead they might not ever come back the whole time i was thinking are do you do you guys know anything about the history of movies because they're not they're going to come back and people will go back to the movie theaters and you know that bore out um with that said just the those really big movies have reached really high but they're still the numbers are very depressed still uh, in the box yeah. office, and I, I think 
that probably, I mean, these are not scientific numbers that I could throw out, but probably around like 25, 30% of the box office performing poorly this year is attributable just to COVID stuff, um, maybe even more. Um, and so, Well, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think people are, like there was already a calculus of ticket price to how much do I gain from this movie to see it in the theater? Like, people were already doing that, so you're more likely to see, like, your action flicks or your louder big things in the theater. But now there's an added level of risk calculus that some amount yeah. of people are doing. And it's not like I'm never going to see a movie in the th- in the movie theaters, but it is like I do want to make sure that those movies are worth it. Like, yeah. if I'm yeah. adding an additional health risk on top of the... So many, you know... As we'd say in, in Dungeons & Dragons, so many constitution saving throws uh, by going to the movies. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big historical event and probably the one that's most relevant to the film. The other historical event from 2022 that I want to talk about that ties in with this is uh, you may recall you know, just a brief thing about this film. Not really spoilery, but there's a lot of like, you know... Uh, British people failing in this film. <laughs> and that was a major theme of 2022 history as well. Um, boy, oh boy. Yeah, so that you had, you know, some prime ministers, multiple prime ministers, too many prime ministers, uh, maybe not enough prime ministers. I don't know. We sure went through a lot of them in 2022. The Queen died. Oops. Um, so she was, she was around uh, during the events of this movie as well. So she was alive back then young at the time right so um Uh and one of the things that stands out in particular to me was the prime ministership the prime ministerhood the prime minister position of liz truss um and Mm -hmm. the competition between liz truss and a head of lettuce to see who would last longer um and the lettuce won liz truss was prime minister for 45 days and then was gone and oversaw, you know, collapse of British economy and the death of the Queen in that 45 days. It was it was incredible the amount of times that the the country of England just failed miserably last year was impressive and, you know, is thematically tied in with this film. Yep. Uh, and the other big thing that was impossible to not think about here is uh, this is a movie about colonialization this is a movie about people taking things that are not theirs especially land especially resources and this was the year that russia invaded ukraine and yeah so hard hard that i mean that theme is going you're going to be able to find something to tie it to probably anytime you release this movie in human history that just happens to be the one that happened this year Yes, exactly. I don't have a lot to say about that. Just uh, uh, I, I think that invading people and taking their uh, land and killing people is a bad thing. Mm. So I'm going out on a limb. A, a strong take here on Streamit. That war is bad. So yeah, that yeah. that's not going to surprise anyone listening concurrently with us releasing this. But when we send it off to off to space and aliens listen to it, or you know, when people find the archives in 50 True. years, it might be controversial then. Yeah. 
let's talk a little bit about the people in this movie. And I know you had pulled some some stats. So why don't we do stats first? Yeah, so this was really difficult to pull. But this movie released March 25th, 2022. Released... There was a release in India and throughout cinemas in India and also the Netflix release. And I believe that the March 25th is the Netflix release in the Hindi language, uh, mm-hmm. though this film originally released in Telugu language, but released simultaneously. And we, we should say uh, we alluded to it before, but the difference between a Tollywood film and a Bollywood film uh, I believe there are some location differences, but generally it's defined by the language that they use. So a Tollywood film is in Telugu and a Bollywood film is in Hindi. Yes. And the Bollywood coming from Bombay and kind of located more in the north of India, I believe, is the geographical. I believe that is correct. Uh, difference yeah. in Telugu is in the southern, like the southeastern part of india you have different stars in these two kind of competing industries they cross over sometimes though so it's not like they're exclusive and the oh just quickly the the director of this film one of the things he's known for is doing these simultaneous releases across the country in multiple different languages and so you're seeing this kind of like um attempts to kind of connect the cinema in India, Bollywood and Tollywood and, you know, all those different things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But yes, the Hindi release was the one that arrived in Netflix in March. This film in theaters, uh, or in budget, it cost $69 million. Um, equivalent of $69 million, equi- yeah. Equivalent of $69 million, which is nice. Um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't um, have laughed. I ruined your deadpan. <laughs> right. That's not a high amount for this kind of film in if you're comparing with other films that released in 2022, but that is a very high budget for a Bollywood and Tollywood film releasing last year. So uh, that's an exceptionally high budget for this film. Uh, Did I make up that it was the highest? Uh, the highest the hi- budget? I think that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So... I couldn't remember. I, I looked that up, but then I couldn't remember, so I didn't want to say it because I wasn't sure. So <laughs> I think uh, that's correct, yeah. Either yeah, we both expensive. made it up or, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a very expensive film. And so the equivalent of, like, a major Marvel film as far as the resources that were put into it. And, you know, it shows. It looks like that. It looks, it looks really good. Uh, and it's, you know, it is polished. It is a very good-looking film. And then in... So it brought in in the box office the equivalent of 175 million dollars was the best I could figure that out. It was not easy to figure out uh, these calculations actually the the conversion from rupees over to dollars and where this money was being made and all of those kinds of things. So you know a, a pretty good return on investment, but that's not really in taking into account the streaming on Netflix and the revenue that it had to have brought in there considering that it was at the time it was i think it was the biggest streaming release uh of a movie in netflix's history when when it came out oh wow so it was really big as far as how much money this movie makes because of all that i i assume that it's like you know not as big as like a marvel film but a major incredibly successful release 
for Netflix, uh, getting the rights and distributing it here in the United States and in the Western Hemisphere, but also uh, within India. I think it's in, uh, an incredibly successful box office film is there as well. Yeah, and one of the things that was kind of cool listening to people talk about this movie, and maybe I had heard this before, but I don't think I knew it quite as concretely. Like, these movies, when they are released in India, at least as the stories that I have listened to on podcasts have said, they are like Marvel films on steroids. Like, the way that we think about people going to Marvel films or a Star Wars movie or what have you, where people are like whooping and hollering and cheering and laughing. That is how people respond to these films in India. And there were some, um, I did listen to an interview with SS Rajamuli, the director, where they asked him, they said, are are you surprised by the reception that this has been getting in the west and he did he said something really cute he said yes my hands are red from pinching myself so much because i just can't believe it's real and he but then he also said like he had seen some footage of people cheering and whooping in the theater and he was like i need to see those people's faces i don't like i don't believe that those are white people and not indians in the audience <laughs> with that reaction oh, so this was uh, this was not something that was expected over here. And if people don't know when the Academy Awards come out, I think there are going to be a good amount of people who are disappointed that this doesn't get nominated for non-English language film. But this was so unexpected that India didn't even put this forth as their offering. So it is not eligible for the for the oscar for best non-english language film which honestly is hugely disappointing but i'm maybe naively like holding out hope that it'll sneak into the 10 for best picture i think that would be really cool (laughs) i I wouldn't be surprised if it did i wouldn't bet on it but it also wouldn't wouldn't surprise me that's about where i am yeah yeah um it just has enough buzz that you know i i there might be somebody that's like, let's get this the, you know, enough people to get it in the top ten. Um, I think the chances of it winning Best Picture are essentially nil. But yeah, um, yeah, you know that doesn't really happen for action movies uh, like this anyway. And you know, I enjoyed this film a lot, but you know, it's not like uh, we watched Roma last week, and it's not that kind of movie. You know, it's a it's like watching a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie or something. It's you know, it's it's not winning the Oscars is not the goal of this movie. It achieved its goals. It won the awards that mattered to to it. Uh, It was immensely successful in the same way as like a a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie. Your goal is not to win the Oscars with those. And that's not really the goal with this either. No, it would be nice if it sneaks in, if it gets in for visual effects. And honestly, after watching some of the videos of some of the stuff that they did, I would not be sad if they won for visual effects either. Um, It did recently just, it did not win the Golden Globe for foreign language film. That was really surprising. That went to Argentina. What year is it? 1945? Oh, I've heard that's great, though. Uh, yes, but it was, I think, most people's, like, fourth or fifth pick in terms of likelihood, not necessarily in terms of 
what they wanted to win. I do have to say, I think it's a hard lift for RRR to win the Oscars for special effects when you're up against Avatar this year. Yeah, so I know. That's kind I of know. Avatar you is... Know, sucks all the air out of the room. So That's true. I forgot about Avatar. I was thinking about like Top Gun and... Yeah. The, the marvel ones whatever this is in our academy awards podcast that one's um, coming though soon that one anyway. is coming yeah so some of the people here i already mentioned ss rajamuli this is like the biggest director in india it is like the steven spielberg and he had the two stars of this movie ntr jr nt rama rao jr and ram haran had both previously worked with ss rajamuli in movies separately but they they are such big stars that at least as the story that i had heard goes people thought it would be impossible to get them into the same movie they just have too much star power and too much uh like they would cost too much and it would just be impossible but they were able to figure it out and that is where the rrr came from and then they added on the various translations in the u.s it's rise revolt rise roar revolt um on after the fact but initially it was just for rajamuli ram and rama rao so yeah i love it the the name of the movie is the people making it yeah yeah which uh, it's just great i love it one thing i didn't hear talked about a lot in a lot of the podcasts that i listen to is ntr jr and rom both do all of their own stunts for this movie like they are essentially the tom cruises of india and it is something that i kind of wish i had known on my first viewing i wasn't really thinking about all of it but then when i was watching some of the in some of the behind the scenes of some of the stuff they were doing i was like this is unbelievable stuff like we've all if you've been to the movie theaters to see something in the last uh whatever couple months you've seen the trailer of like tom cruise jumping off of the canyon off of a motorcycle and falling whatever a couple hundred feet before he finally opens his parachute and i i wish there was that same footage existed for a lot of the stunts that they do in this movie because they are they are pretty cool I think, and uh, yeah, a, I wish I'd known yeah. that they were all real. There's a lot of great stunts in this one, and yeah, like I said, doing all their own stunts is very impressive. You know, I don't ever want to uh, make uh, actors feel like they need to do that because, you know, there's a reason yeah. why stunts are unsafe, but uh, these guys do a lot of good work, and they are, you know, chiseled. Oh boy, are yeah. they chiseled. <laughs> they, and so, they, you know, they're successful at this. It is a brand that they've built up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's like a, a getting them together is like a, a an Ocean's Eleven kind of coup with like, you know, when you had George Clooney and Matt Damon and Brad Pitt all in the same movie and it kind of yeah. blows people away that the cast could get them together. That kind of thing with this one. It makes sense. Um, and then the last person that I wanted to mention was... M.M. Kiravani. So this is S.S. Rajamuli's older cousin, and he's the composer for this. He did both the songs and the underscoring. So it's it's all him. And uh, they've they've worked together quite a bit. And he taught he did tell a cute little story about how like when they were kids or when they were in high school or university, like they just 
loved talking about movies and dissecting movies and like what is the music supposed to do and what sort of story are we telling so they feel like very much on the same wavelength and were able to have a shared language that they were able to start from when they started their collaboration which was several movies before this and then it, the team that Rajamuli has here both Kiravani and then also the director of cinematography he has worked with before and he does a lot of his script writing and storyboarding with his dad actually so they sort of talk through the story that they want to tell and are able to go back and forth and make sure that it's something that they really want to do and something make sure that everything works and that i should also say this is a very heavily storyboarded film in much the same way i think we talked about it for the matrix that they they did for that where they really know everything that they want to do from before they started shooting yeah and not only is it storyboarded heavily but they also did like it's not like marvel previs but they did like stunt pre-visualization for mm. all the things so similar to that kind of structure so yeah i mean there's a lot of work put in it has to be on stunts that are this complicated though like you can't you, you can't have somebody you know flying off a bridge through fire and uh, just be improvising it on the day you need to know what you what it's supposed to look like oh yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so so it makes sense and they they were pretty proud talking about it in interviews. Neither of them got hurt during any filming, but the shoot, now I don't remember which one which one who plays NTR is the one who plays Rom, right? NTR plays Beam. Plays Beam. Okay, yes. so it was so Rom Haran did get hurt and shut filming down for three months, but it's be, it happened like while they were cut on a take and he was talking to Raja Muli and didn't know where the edge of the stage was and just fell off. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And he was like, I couldn't believe it. Then we had to shut filming down for three months so I could recover. He off the stage. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it, happens to, it happens to all of us. It happens to big movie stars too. Yeah. That's Which amazing. Was, yeah. Pretty funny and sad. Yeah. So... Uh, do you want to talk about anyone else, or should we... Uh, I think that covers everybody. You know, one of the things with this film, they had a lot of newcomers on this film as well. So, like, Ali Abat and Ajay De- uh, Devon, something like that. They're both essentially newcomers to the industry in this film. Mm. And then you've got a bunch of people that just don't have very many credits. So, you know, they they very star-studded, like, top of the cast... But the rest is a lot of a lot of not as proven stars that I think did really good jobs on this film, and it, I don't think the performances of Ram Haran and NTR Junior work without the support that's coming from underneath them. So you know, just a shout out to all of those people. And the other one, which you know ties in with one of the scenes we're going to look at, but there's there's a lot of. Uh, Ukrainian actors that were involved with uh, one of the scenes here. And, you know, mm. shout out to those folks, too. Yeah. Oh, I guess I had two other things that I wanted to mention here. So Rajamuli did say that this movie was inspired by Inglorious Bastards, right. um, which 
I did not know going in, but definitely makes sense. Makes a lot of um, sense. He talked about how when he watched Inglorious Bastards, he's like had an epiphany that you could do historical movies without trying to be historically accurate and mm-hmm. just like do yeah. whatever like who cares if the if these two characters never met in history like just throw them in it's fine and like you can make an, a movie out of it and it'll work and you know as inglorious bastards is my favorite out of the tarantino film films it's my um, favorite of the ones i've seen too yeah yeah i i'm you know i'm glad that it inspired this film yeah the you can see the influence but it's also pretty different <laughs> i would say dramatically different yeah like they're not the same you you can you would only be able to pick out that influence like tangentially they're they're dramatically different in the way they approach stories and all of those things but uh, but i get what he's saying like the, that concept of just taking the shackles off as far as trying to be historically accurate and just saying up front like this isn't historically accurate but we're using people from history yeah, and I guess um, probably worth noting here, maybe we should have talked about it in the time period. So our two leads, the two main characters, are real-life revolutionaries from India, real-life people who, and we can talk a little bit more about some of their specifics because some of it is a little spoilery, but did lead a lot of the revolution rebelling against the English occupation or the English rule in india but what i thought was pretty interesting is for both of them there's like a big period of time of their life that is just not recorded like we just don't know what happened and so rajamuli this movie takes place in that time period that we don't know what happened and there's no like there's no attempt in this movie to be like this is probably how it happened or this could be how it happened, but it was really important to him to connect where they end up with the people that we, I mean, not we, not Americans, but presumably people in India do know. And so that would be familiar when you hit the end of the movie. For sure. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of people that were involved as uh, as freedom fighter freedom fighters in India, but these are historical figures that would be recognized in India. So it's not like these are unknown factors coming in. And uh, as you said, there's an attempt there's attempts to like gesture at history, but not really attempts to be historically accurate. Which listen, I'm fine with that. It's uh, if 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 you can make you know. 10 gazillion movies that happened in the West, even, uh, you know, the American Cowboy West, even though it only yeah. lasted for 10 years in actual history, I'm fine with, you know, just uh, go nuts and, you know, make, make stuff that's that's fun and that you can extrapolate and not everything has to be, you know, uh, uh, a recording of what has happened in the past. Yeah, it's essentially a historical fantasy. Yeah, historical fantasy, a historical fiction. Uh, yeah. Maybe more fantasy because, listen... There's a lot of this uh, film that, you know, not only did it probably not happen, but also is virtually impossible. But we'll we'll talk about (laughs) some of those things when we get there. Uh, Yeah, I think we can go on to any advice or insight we have for first-time viewers. I have a couple things here, so I'll go first. Um, The number one thing is make sure your subtitles are turned on. They are not... Assuming you're watching this on Netflix, they are not natively part of the movie. So you do have to go in and turn them on. 
you'll figure out pretty quickly that you don't understand what's going on, but it will save you having to rewind for the first couple minutes. Yeah, I, um, I, I actually had a little bit of an issue with this, only because I was trying to turn the subtitles on, and as you said, the subtitles don't turn on automatically, and you got to go, I had to go set them to English, but then you can choose what language to play this in, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, which language should I be watching this in? How is it dubbed? Uh, and all that stuff, because it was originally made in Telugu. So yeah. then I was confused. I was like, should I be listening to that? The version that's on Netflix, there's the Hindi dub and the English dub. The Hindi dub, though, is done by the actors that are on the screen. So if if you're watching that one, like you're you're watching the most authentic version on Netflix is that Hindi dub. And the English dub doesn't have the same cast doing doing that. So I don't recommend watching that one. Just watch the Hindi dub with subtitles if you're doing it on Netflix. Yeah, I can't I didn't try the English dub. I probably should have, but the Hindi dub is so the actors are so good. I, I yeah, I can't recommend doing anything else. I guess the the original dub though, the Telugu dub I hear is like much better. So if you do have it, which is what they show in theaters. So if you have a shot to see that, um, that's probably my number one recommendation. If if it was an option. Um, Yeah. The the other thing that I think sometimes when people come to um, movies from Bollywood or Tollywood that they don't expect or don't anticipate is that there's a lot of English in, in these films. Yes, that surprised me. I, yeah. This was my first one. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's not the same as a lot of other films that may come from another language where you're feeling like like you're playing catch up with the subtitles a lot or something like that, and uh, you're just not really picking up what the people are saying. When you're watching films from Bollywood or from Tollywood, you're going to understand probably 40% of what they're saying anyway. Um, and then you'll pick up on names and things really quickly because of that. And so it's much easier to follow subtitles on these films than it is if you're watching something from like, um, uh, like when I watch films from, uh, then like train to Busan was, yeah, like train to Busan or, uh, or even parasite. Yeah. Things like that. It's, you, it's so much easier to keep up with what they're saying and the subtitles on, on a film like RRR. Yeah, the dialogue is also not particularly complex <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> also true, yes. So I also did want to mention the... So there is a three-hour runtime, which I mentioned before. I really urge people not to be put off by it. I know three hours seems like a long time. But if you are put off by it, do know that when they show this movie uh, when they show movies in india and this is not true for this movie this is true for almost all tollywood or bollywood movies or at least the big ones they generally have an interval so that's why there are an intermission which is why they're structured like this and the one for this movie you'll be able to notice it pretty clearly when it happens but it happens at around 137 40 in the movie so this is how i tested watching it this time you can definitely watch the first half of the movie one night, stop at one thirty-seven forty, and then watch the second half the other night. And like, it's no different than watching the last two episodes of Stranger Things. It, it really will, uh, you, you can break it up into those bite-sized chunks yeah. if you just cannot find three hours to watch this movie. And, and additionally, on top of that, this is all true, and I watched it in two chunks about the same 
places when I watched it. And it's it's very easy to do, picks up really easily. Honestly, I think that if I were watching again, I think that would be my preferred experience. But additionally, as is true of a lot of Bollywood films and Tollywood films, is that a lot of the story is kind of compartmentalized between major musical scenes. Um, and so because of that, it's really easy to like pick up and put down these films and kind of watch between like from one scene to the next big musical number and then from that one to the next one and kind of watch them in chunks like that. So it's really easy to chunk these films out. That's actually how I did it the first time. Like I watched the first hour on a plane and then maybe like 20 minute chunks and then the last hour on a plane. So the and I didn't feel like I lost any momentum for it, from it at all. Yeah. But so my final piece of advice is I do think the optimal viewing experience for this is I think you want if you have someone in your friend group who has a really nice home theater setup, so as big a screen as possible, the best sound possible, and watch it with a group. I've I've never watched this with other people. I only watched it by myself, and I wish I have had 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 the experience of watching it with people. I think it will be a lot of fun. And plan to take that break at the interval for people to go to the restroom, maybe have some snacks planned plan your pizza to get delivered then or whatever and make an event out of it i think yeah i think that's good advice. that's probably going to be your best bet um you can enjoy this movie however you want but if you want like the real experience i think that'll really work for um, people i did watch it with other people i think it enhanced the the experience of watching it so i think i'd agree overall on that do you have any other advice you want to give people before we talk about any content content warnings we might have I think that's all the advice that I have for the film. Um, oh, you know what? No, one more thing. It's This is like a Bollywood, Tollywood film. It has musical numbers in it. That's how almost all of them are. It's just a, it's just a convention of the genre. And so, like, be chill about it. It's Give it a chance. Some people are weird about musical numbers. Um, they're great. They're awesome. They're some of the best parts of the film. So just, I don't know, sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, and I think there's some nice stuff about this one, but we'll get into, uh, get into that in the, in the back half. And then as, as we said last week, so we are going to give a few content warnings here. So if that's something you want to hear, uh, then go ahead and keep listening. But if not, then now's the time to turn off your podcast. Uh, yeah. So there's just a couple ones here there (laughs) as we have had in (laughs) Several episodes of Stream It, as I think Matt will inform us later, there's uh, some pretty severe torture in this movie. Um, it's a lot. That that seems heavy. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, there's there's more than one bit of torture in this film, so there, there's a lot of it. But there's yeah. one scene in particular that is just pretty graphic. I mean, it is, the whole point of it is that there's tons and tons of blood that's like, so much is running in the street so you know just you gotta be ready for a a lot of a lot of torture yep and then there is some violence against women and also a child death so yes and yeah i think that covers all the all the major uh content warnings from the and then a content warning for dance there's dance yeah uh some people that triggers them um you know the Zacks of the world. 
but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it, it's good. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be back with uh, spoilers. Excellent. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's talk about RRR. I'll let you go first this time, Maddie, or Raddy, because uh, you hadn't seen it before. So what was, how did you watch it and how did you respond to it? Yeah, so I just watched it on, I got to watch it just on my television. And this was during the winter break. So uh, I just threw it up on the screen in the middle of the day. And I did not expect any of my family to be invested in it or to care. So I was like, you know what, they're busy doing stuff. Or, you know, uh, we were just at home chilling, relaxing. And I just threw it up on the screen to watch it. And um, it was a blast. It's This movie is wild, like, right from the beginning. Uh, yeah. It gets going very quickly, so very fast-paced. And once it started getting going, then my family members were kind of like, seeing what was happening on the tv and then like peeking over and slowly stopping the things they're they're doing to come and like watch bits of it and then by about 40 minutes in uh lori and ethan were both watching it and like invested in it and addison was like uh, i don't want to see that it's, it's too much uh, <laughs> <laughs> too much violence for me so addison was just overdoing her own thing and then so we watched the first half of it and then the next day when i sat down to finish it I sat down and I was like, I'm going to start this movie. And then Lori's like, uh, you better not start that without me because I want to see the end of that one. So, um, yeah. So oh, then nice. I had to... So Lori, Lori got brought in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got got brought in quite a bit. So then we sat down and watched it. And it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. This movie's an absolute blast to watch. And I don't think I told you about the interval. So do you remember where you stopped? I don't remember where I stopped exactly, but it was about halfway. So uh, I don't okay actually i do remember when i stopped it was right at like the turn where you find out that where where ram um uh sitarama raju where he finds out the beam uh oh okay yeah right at that part so right before basically the final set piece of act one uh yeah basically well okay so it was right at that part where he gets captured and is like being held captive and gets bit by the snake yeah 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 so, so that's right yeah that that's part. right before that set piece yeah uh cool yeah I'm, I'm glad you had a good experience i'm also kind of glad you got to got to watch it with something i tried to talk mary into it i thought she was maybe going to be into it but i think she just didn't want to spend three hours of of her day doing it which that's which that's i get just by the you know, yeah. maybe that's the maybe that's the better decision. Maybe we maybe, should be yeah. questioning the fact we're even doing a podcast about it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's not yeah. think about that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, my, I mean, the, so I had, as I said, I had watched this and I adored it. And it has been sitting at my, mini spoiler for our year-end review, it has been sitting at my fifth highest movie of the year for uh for a long time well i guess not a long time because there are recent movies i've seen that have have bumped it out but it has been sitting very high on my list and so i was a little nervous going in i was like oh man what if it doesn't 
what if it doesn't hold up? What if it doesn't hit me as hard this time? Like now I sort of know the set piece. I think I was really worried, like, what if I'm just sitting around waiting for the next set piece to come? Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't happen at all. A, because there's not a lot of time between set pieces. And B, because the, the I think they actually did a really good job of layering in some of the deceptions of the plot so that it is there on your second viewing. You can see, I don't think it's like all that twisty that he ends up being a good guy, especially um, Rajamuli talked about this, how like people in India knew um, that he was a big actor. And so they knew he wasn't going to be a villain, but there was some surprise of like, how is this all going to make sense? Um, Yeah. I mean, the other thing is it's a historical figure. They're not going to be coming into the film like, oh, did they make him into the opposite of what he was in real life? Let's right. see. Um, right, so, exactly. You know, they're not doing that kind of thing. Uh, I figured he was, you know, I didn't know the historical story, but I was like, that guy's got to be a good guy. Um, and I couldn't figure out exactly what was happening. I assumed that he was like, you know, turned away from all uh, all of his, like, connections and history and all of that from the past and was uh, working with the British and then was going to swap sides and, like, uh, turn good or that kind of thing. That's what I assumed. Um, it turns out, out not to really be that. And, and the, the twist was, like, better than than what I was expecting. But also, if I knew right. the history, I probably would have just figured it out right off the bat. Um, yeah, so I, like, I loved it even more on my... On my second watch, I was sort of thinking about maybe moving it up in my rankings. I don't, I don't even really know. I messaged you at one point. I like paused. I think it was after Natu Natu, and I was like, just, I was like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Which obviously it's not, <laughs> but it is just like, it is one of my happiest things from this season of movies, and I wish everyone would watch it. I think one of the things that is so. So a couple big takeaways that are so nice about it. I think it is amazing how well this movie sets up the fantastical world that it lives in from that opening sequence where um, uh, Rom like is apprehending the guy in the crowd. And it is just so impossible and over the top. But also... Yeah. But the framing of it is grounded, I guess. And that is I get is what just... you're saying, yes. It's it's fantastical and yet feels grounded at the same time. Yeah. And that's the world that the movie is going to be in for the entire movie. And they I actually the cinematographer talked about that scene a little bit about how important it was to show the scope of what he was doing of what Rom was doing initially. But then after that, almost all of the cinematography is close-up shots so that it creates the scope and shows how impossible it is, but then it will feel grounded. And all of the impossibility is something that the audience layers on top of it because we know we know the scope even if we're not seeing it from moment to moment. Yeah, it's uh, I I went through kind of a roller coaster at the beginning and not a bad one, but it's that disclaimer pops up at the beginning and it's like yeah, you know I don't love the disclaimer. Well, which one? Uh, 
Well, the one that's like, um, in, oh, I can't remember what it says, but it's like. There's um, two. There's one that's like all the animals are CGI. None got hurt. Oh, that one. I like that one. one. That was great. Yeah. One that's so like, I was glad to see the one fictional. about all the animals. The one that was like these were all fictional, and so I saw that, and I, I don't, I don't dislike it. I think it's actually probably for the best that they put it there. But in any case, uh, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is a historical fiction, and I didn't expect that going in because like I knew it dealt with. I, I like vaguely had an idea that there was some his some stuff from history, but not very much. I mean, I'd seen like a GIF of it, right? So, right, um, yeah. <laughs> so then I saw it. And I'm like, oh, this is a this is like a true story. And then it gets that first scene where he fights like you know ten thousand people at once, uh, and I was like, oh, oh, this is this is like Hamilton, like or, you know, or something like right, that. Yeah, <laughs> um, this is it's loosely historical fiction. Like this is it's not. Uh, it's all exaggerated. These are superheroes that are. Based yeah, this on is a superhero people. movie. Yeah, it's a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, once I figured that out, then I was like, okay, now uh, it was easy to watch the rest of it. And then the other thing that I wanted to say here at the at the top that I so I've long contended that there is not a big difference between the way musical numbers function specifically in musicals but also in musical movies and the way that action sequences function in movies like both of them require both of them are set pieces and the success of them does not really hinge on the believability because believability is kind of thrown out the window as soon as you have superheroes or as soon as you have huge bombastic action sequences or as soon as you open your mouth and start singing or dancing in unison (laughs) and the success of both of those things frequently depends on how believably you are able it, it depends on the juxtaposition of two things one how well you have prepared your audience to suspend their disbelief and two how well you have layered the stakes and justification for those set pieces and or musical numbers. Right. And I love that this movie shows it in such, like, stark... It's impossible not to think of them together because if you're going to... Uh, and I guess this will segue us into our scenes, but if you're going to accept the bridge sequence, then how can you not accept not to not to? Right. I, I mean, the action sequences in this film are dance sequences too. A lot of yes. them, like they they're they're the same thing. And I agree with you. Like you have to set up. What makes them work is that um, you're setting up the stakes and the character motivations that are going into into these scenes, and so the you, people will suspend their disbelief uh, their uh, their disbelief for a really cool fight scene, but only if the things the characters are doing are coming from the characters. They're motivated and they understand the stakes and care about the stakes. And if they don't, it does not matter how cool it looks. No one's gonna care. Um, people are just going to fall asleep in your action scene because it won't, it, it just won't matter. It, it, and it doesn't matter how good it is. I mean, I, there's limitations to that. There's some things that are just so amazing and so good that they, they overcome the, I don't know if the limitations of the genre is the word for that, but there are things that do that, but it's very rare 
and far between. Yeah, as soon as people start thinking, why are these two people punching each other? Then you've lost. And you can make them forget that either because the emotions are so high and you justified it so well, or you can make them think it because the fighting is just so uh, enthralling and such a rush. And the former is generally more successful, but the latter is not impossible. Normally, it's a combination of the two, right? Right, yeah, I agree. Should we talk about our first scene here? Let's talk about the first scene, yeah. Um, (laughs) I can't remember whose scene was whose. This is yours, Uh, I guess, right? Yes, this one was my scene. And I should note, this scene, uh, you know, normally it's Zach's uh, realm to start with the opening scene. And, I mean... This is not the opening scene. It comes, what, 35 minutes into the movie? But also, it's immediately followed by the title of the, of the movie. So, yeah, this is like the uh, longest cold open ever. <laughs> right, exactly. So It's a cold uh, open with three separate set pieces. I forgot. So, I forgot that it drops the title after this scene until I was re-watching it back. And I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I can't believe that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fun, cool. Um so, uh, in any case, the bridge sequence, uh, listen, a lot has happened up to this point, and we've established that uh, we have Ram Haran's character, Raju, or uh, sometimes called Rama or Ram. He's got some names there. Um, and this is the guy that's like the police officer. And uh, we, he's established that he's trying to hunt down some insurgent that's working in the city that's trying to overthrow Governor, what's the guy's name? Governor Buxton. Um, <laughs> and then we also have the character of Beam, who it's established is there to rescue a girl that was um, like kidnapped, taken from his uh, his village or like the area around his tribe and sold into slavery. And so these are two characters that are set um, opposing each other, calls them fire and water. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we're expecting like a conflict to show down between them, but then as, uh, as, uh, Raju is chasing after beam, uh, he's trying to like find him, do this cat and mouse thing is trying to catch him. Hasn't seen his face yet. A disaster happens. Ram is on the, on the bridge of this train and beam is down by the water. Um, and this, train derails and there's a kid stuck in the water the train is like coming down towards a kid who beam sent out into the water for reasons that i am still very unclear on even having watched this scene like 10 times now yeah i don't know it's a i I couldn't uh i wasn't sure it's a but also it's not really relevant the kids out not all of the plotting in this not all of the plotting in this movie is airtight and um no no, no, that is fine. fine Yeah, it's not supposed to be either. It's like uh, the guys, the kids in the water. <laughs> Why? Yeah, D- don't ask questions. That's not what this movie's for. So, <laughs> so you get up to the top and they look across the water. And the other thing I ask myself is, how does he like see this guy that's on you know this riverbank yeah. that's like you know <laughs> very far away, small people, hard to see, but they they their eyes meet and they realize that the only two people that could save this kid are them. How they realize that, I don't know. Again. Not important. 
and they realize that there's a plan. So Beam runs up onto the bridge, um, and uh, does he take his motorcycle up there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get a nice yeah. shot of him jumping on the motorcycle, and it's slow mowing through the sand. It's great. Yeah. Uh, sand spinning <laughs> everywhere. Motorcycle up there. Uh, Rashu's on his horse, and uh, he comes up, and they like communicate almost with their eyes what they're doing. I don't think they talk at this point, right? They no, they don't talk. Um, no words. The, so. but he does do a few like hand symbols and like crosses yeah. his arms and yeah and it's like yeah. oh yeah i totally i totally get it i know these hand signals because they're badasses they don't need to talk um it's fine <laughs> yeah. so they see each other and they like grab these ropes and the and raju grabs a flag and they go in opposite directions and and jump off the bridge and it is one of the most <laughs> absurd action scenes i have ever seen in my entire life um the kids like in the water uh it, the fire is coming and they swing in opposite directions coming down underneath of the bridge grab the kid and then they come up and they meet in the middle and beam hands the kid off to raju and raju hands the flag which he's dipped in the water over to beam and then they swing in opposite directions you're like wait what's gonna happen now raju goes throws the kid over and beam goes into the fire but wraps the wet flag around him and he's like Whoo, into the fire you don't know what's happened then the pendulum comes back and they swing back in the other direction. The fire, the flag wraps back around him. Um, they go back in towards each other and then they predator handshake in the middle as they're dangling from the ropes over this water. And it, it's glorious. I mean, this is an action sequence. scene for the ages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, then, um, and then title sequence. It's it's so crazy. It's just such a wild scene. It makes it, It's just... I don't want to say it makes no sense. It makes it makes sense, and they like they block it out so you get each step of what's happening. But it's just it's just craziness. When I watched this for the first time, I was just like, "This is the greatest thing I have ever seen on film." And <laughs> oh my god! I like so I fun. found the clip on YouTube. I wanted to send it to you and David, but I didn't want to spoil the movie, and so I was like. Mary's never going to watch this. And I was like, do you care if I show you this scene for this movie you're never going to watch? And she was like, sure. And I sent it to her. And I think she was somewhat nonplussed by it. But <laughs> I, I was just like so hyped about it. Oh, it was great. And so... the, layered in here are some just like awesome shots. Like when they jump off the bridge simultaneously, you get a pan out shot of them like falling off the bridge and the rope unfurling when when rom gets the kid you get a shot of them swinging and the fire explosion behind them like yeah. it yeah it is just layered cinematically so you get these shot these pictures that you want to just like live in yeah it's it's great it's a it is a, both a clever and like you know just fun action sequence that that elaborates on the characters they, it, it works really well, well with the characters as well and so you know you can't help but fall in love with these characters after this action sequence also they can't help but fall in love with each other but not like that uh, this is the start of their bromance um yeah and it's immediately followed by a musical number that explains a montage of their bromance uh and then yeah. like you know becoming besties over it doesn't even say how long it's like six months that the that the next montage takes place all with the musical number uh playing in the background as they're explaining you know talking you through what's going on 
And it, but the lyrics like really lean into the dramatic irony. It's like, how could they possibly be friends? What ruin is going to come out of this? What happens when they realize who each other are? Will and this like, end in death? Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, this is um, a very typical staple of of Indian cinema is the the montage that like you know explains massive story beats uh, over a large period of time uh, with a musical and dance number. So, um, yeah. you know, that part I was expecting. I was like, okay, we got this one. And, uh, you know, you can sit and and listen to that and y- you know what's going on. It explains the movie to you. And you're like, I, I get it. It's that moment where, you know, when I'm watching a movie and my mom leans over and is like, who are these people again? What are they doing? And it, in India, Senate, they just have a song that explains it. And you're like, that's what they're doing. Here it is. It's all out there for you. Yeah, um, I have a few. I have a few notes on this. So the one thing you didn't mention is at the beginning of this scene, the camera does a huge pan back to show this entire bridge and the entire like like it starts on people on the beach and then pans backwards so you see everything. And both times I saw this. I guess every time, all all of the 10 times I watched this damn scene, I loved this shot. And I was, I don't know if you saw it, Matt, but I watched it behind the scenes and like a lot of it is fake. The obviously where they start and the on the beach is real. And I believe the entire camera pan is real. They had it like hooked to a um, pulley system, but the a lot of the bridge is fake in that shot like it's all rendered cgi and the island and all of that is filled in with cgi and i looked for the life of me and i could not see the seams i have no my eye is pretty bad for that sort of thing but i like was looking so hard and i could not find where reality ended for me it was like pretty clear when I watched it, I was it like, was, oh, that's just, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's, and when I watched it back, it was even more clear. And I was like, oh yeah. yeah, there's the CGI. Like the, I mean, the whole train as it's coming in, it, it's, uh, some, you know, pretty clear CGI and you're like, whatever. It's a, for, for me, that doesn't matter too much. Um, yeah. it's, uh, because I don't know, for some reason, I'm just really able to just think, you know, the CGI is fine for its budget. Don't stress about the CGI. Um, and so I don't have an issue with that so much. So I just block it out. My I suspend my disbelief really well for that. Yeah. Yeah. The fire is obviously all CG here, but a lot of, a lot of this is practical. So the kid mm-hmm. flying off the raft, that is practical. You can watch yeah. the shot of them, of him like hooked to, hooked to wires and flying. And you can tell because it looks really good and yeah it looks really good and they do the you know the slow motion with it it's there's there's a lot of it that's pretty clear indicators that that one's real um yeah and it looks great i mean that moment's a really good shot um the the train models they built those those are real and <laughs> i thought cool. it was so cool. funny they were like we had to we had to build them in the u.s so they could be uh so they could be built in time <laughs> and i was like awesome. oh they farmed them out to the u.s Thanks. Thanks for your business. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, um, and then obviously, like, these bridge jumps are real. <laughs> it is. Obviously. It, it is. I mean, uh, not obviously, but only obviously because I said so at the 
earlier in the podcast yeah. and they talked about it they were like oh i hope he catches me on the other end yeah we better not <laughs> run into each other i was like oh man. are you kidding me <laughs> Listen, uh, that when they grab each other in like the predator handshake as they go together, yeah, I mean you could tell that's real because they're like kind of desperately grasping each other's hands to keep from crashing into each other. You're like, or oh, is it gonna work? Oh, okay, they did it. Um, yeah, so, definitely yeah, not fun. a clean take because it does cut before they grasp. But right. yes, you can uh, <laughs> you can feel the the tension um, of it the stress yeah these are two uh very large men colliding or, or charging flying across the screen at each other at high speed and having to stop each other with a handshake um yeah yeah fun it's good and i don't there, there must have been cables but like picking the kid up was practical as well which seemed somewhat astonishing to me but you can watch the footage of them doing it yeah one thing that makes it a little bit less astonishing is if you take a close look at ntr jr's forearms and biceps and you realize man that guy is just that guy's just stacked like he could do it so you know if it was me no chance but ntr right. is yeah. just that that guy's that guy's ripped so i mean both both of them are unbelievably ripped yeah. and and also extremely charismatic in this movie i think that was oh, yeah. the thing oh, yeah. that i was not i was really surprised by. i mean apart from everything I just wasn't expecting to like fall in love with these two actors so much and be like, I kind of want to go watch their other movies now. <laughs> this is good stuff. I know. Yeah, me too. Um, the One of the other things that I have from the scene, I didn't, it was kind of threw me off a little bit with it. So yeah, sure. Yeah. So they grab this flag uh, and I don't know how much you know about the flag that they are using here. No, um, I, nothing. Yeah. Okay, other so than it was subtitled. So I figured I was supposed to know something. Yeah, so this flag is like, it is the, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be able to say this exactly right, but the Vande Mataram flag or the Calcutta flag. And it's one of the earlier flags from Indian history, but it's also a flag that is closely associated with Hindu nationalism. So like um, uh, uh, this kind of far right uh, nationalism uh, and kind of movement that's going on in mm. India right now. Um, Interesting. And one of the guys that helped design the flag is the, like the founder of a group that's called the RSS that's involved, that was involved with, you know, like genocide and, you know, killing people and they got banned for, you know, too much uh, murder and then they are back in politics. So they're like back around and all those things. And, so I had seen that because of, you know, following a little bit of India politics in previous years uh, involving Modi and all that stuff. And so I saw the flag and I was like, is that is that the one that I'm thinking of? And that kind of threw me off. I had to like go Google it real quick right after that scene. And so that left me a little bit sour in it. And I don't know, because of that, I was paying more attention to some of the politics involved with this film. And like I don't know, like it's a good film, but uh, some things kind of bounced off me wrong because of that. Mm, yeah, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. W- would it have had the same meaning in the 1920s? Um, it, well, no, and y- yes, I don't know. It's hard to ex- the the movement kind of um, changes as the 20s and 30s are kind of going. So you know, it's it's. 
it's a it's a different version of the flag it's not the same version that that, that was around originally um it's got some symbols that are a little bit different um so but it's mostly historically accurate to refer to that flag as like at the beginning of the the movement against the british so that's not really far off but it's just a really controversial flag even then got it yeah hmm. so kind of i mean bummer. it's not more controversial than i guess like you know um the american flag can be pretty controversial because of all the you know genocides and uh sure. murder and imperialism stuff so like it's not worse than like top gun maverick was if that makes sense like it's not right, more yeah. the, the politics aren't more extreme than that but you know there's a lot of controversy and like discussion over those kind of things so i don't know yeah yeah makes sense yeah should we move on to our next scene let's go on to the next scene yeah so i guess i realized while i was watching this this is really kind of two scenes but they do lead into each other so i wanted to talk about both this courtship sequence and then also natu natu which it leads right into and they are pretty separate but one of the things so the courtship sequence and it one of the things that is not really all that present in this movie except for in this sequence is humor it's not a particularly funny movie but there are a lot of moments in here that I really loved and I like genuinely laughed at honestly all three times I watched it um the like the the moment so yeah it starts with um Rom seems sees Beam uh staring at Jenny this white lady Mm -hmm. who he really likes and the movie has established that Jenny is like a good one like she gets mad at uh, some yeah. of her her fellow one of the Brits. good ones i mean it's yeah. weird though because as i was watching i was like yeah like they establish her as one of the good ones but also she's like not i mean she is in the film but she still sucks like she's yeah, still I mean, benefiting she's still... very much from her privilege but yeah it's it, that's not what the film is trying to do with it yeah no it, it's trying to show like she's getting mad when <laughs> her fellow like she stops some of the british officers from like beating other beating some of the indians the police are about to like literally murder a child and she's like yeah don't murder the child that's not polite right and then you know it's still uh taking advantage of all the all the people that you know all their labor and has like a slave living in her house not not her house but the house she's living in and she's like oh yeah but that part's cool um but but yeah yeah she's established as like the nice one it, it, it's it's broad strokes as we yes, yeah. as we have established so anyway so he he's sort of staring at her and rom organizes a little a little meet cute here and you get to he punctures the tires of her car a little care for anyone else who might be driving along and also gets their tires punctured which presumably won't all be colonialists but nevertheless and then has to sort of talk uh, talk beam through this meet cute where he's like oh yeah i'll take you and you we'll fix your car in five minutes he's like no we won't that will take five hours and so i thought this interplay between them was really really cute but then he he takes her on the bike and they end up going shopping 
during which we learn that Beam is also an expert craftsman as he's able to very quickly fashion a bracelet for uh, Molly. The, <laughs> this seems so the, good the because girl. He, like, he like runs off real quick um, <laughs> and like... And grabs all these materials and, like, sits down in a workshop and, like, builds this thing with his, like, little montage. And then he comes back and she's like, oh, you built that fast? And it's like a whole bracelet. I don't know. It was good. And this entirely unbelievable sequence where they are not able to communicate because uh, they don't speak the same language. But he is able to get across to her that uh, he wants to know her name, Madam. And she says, don't call me Madam. It's just Jenny, yes. And you see this look on his face of like, that is such a long name. How am I ever going to figure that out? And he says, what should I call you for short, madam? And she corrects him again. She's like, "Uh, don't call me madam. It's just Jenny, yes. And he's like, oh, man, I really got to memorize this really long name. And I thought he was so cute in this scene. I thought the comedy was so well played between the two of them. And then later you get the same moment where he tells the name to Rom and Rom is like, yeah, bro, you don't, you just didn't understand her. Like she was just telling you it's (laughs) not to call her madam. And then her name's just Jenny. And he's like, Oh, it's a short name. (laughs) Yeah. This, I, I laughed out loud at that scene. It was a great one. And Rom just plays like the best wingman ever in this scene. Oh yeah. He's so In both of these scenes. Yeah, it's really good. and But I love the dramatic irony is that Beam has no interest in Jenny, like, romantically. That's, yeah, like, I know. He, do, he doesn't even care. Like, he just wants to infiltrate the palace and rescue uh, and rescue the girl. And uh, is the, the misunderstanding there, but then the way that they're, you know, the way this creates this dramatic irony and all the characters have, like, different intentions that are all playing in different ways. It's great. This is a really well done scene. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say about the courtship. So we can slide into talking about Natu Natu unless you wanted to say something else here. Let's go to Natu Natu. Yeah. So <laughs> he gets the If I wasn't already in love with the movie after the bridge sequence, when I saw this for the first time, I was just like my jaw was on the floor. I was like I cannot believe these two things exist in the same movie. This was this was made for me. And it is from... So he shows up at the party. Beam and Rom show up at the party. And this party that Jenny has invited them to. And Beam is extremely nervous. And Jenny wants to dance with him. And the... So they're sort of dancing. But then this guy, this white guy, this, this Brit who this racist Brit who really, who wants to dance with Jenny is like offended that she's dancing with a brown guy, a brown bugger, as he says. And so he trips Beam. And of all of the sequences in the film, I think this is my favorite, like 75 seconds. So Beam gets tripped. The platter he falls into a waiter who's holding a couple of champagne glasses on a platter and the platter starts rolling around and you get these pan shots of the platter rolling interspersed with this white guy like berating him and showing him he's like you don't know how to dance i'll show you how to dance and he uh i should have written down the three different types of dances that he tries to do one of them's flamenco one of them is uh 
a ballroom of some sort. Lin- he does the Charleston, but I don't think he calls it the Charleston. And all the while, this platter is just like rolling and rolling and rolling. <laughs> and it keeps cutting between the two of them. And then you see Rom like kick the platter up. Somehow he gets over to the band who has been playing this like very stuffy uh, white people, British music. The He takes the drumsticks from the drummer. They flip in the air in slow motion. And all of a sudden he is in for like this native Indian music beat. And he just starts drumming, which is pretty horribly dubbed, I do have to say. One of my... I, I, I assume it's not different in the other dub, but yes, the, the drum miming is not all that accurate and neither was um, his, actually any of his dance movements, any of the white guys' dance movements, but particularly the flamenco was uh, pretty rough. And yeah. then they move into this dance sequence that uh, I Am Sorry rivals Powerline from uh from a goofy yeah. movie it's great oh my goodness where, this dance sequence is amazing and he's he said like before they jump into it he says ram says not flamenco oh salsa is the other one not flamenco not salsa not charleston or whatever the hell the other one is do you know desi notch and then they just launch into this five and a half minute. It's probably not that long. I didn't check the time. I don't dance know. It's number. pretty long, though. Like, it, it, it might be. But so here's the, it, it's long and it, it becomes a dance off that eventually Rom lets Beam win. But there are so many things in this number that I think are just absolutely amazing. So the first time I saw this, I was convinced that they had done some sort of post on the filming of them dancing because it just seemed too crisp and too energetic and too fast to be real. But it's really upon... fast. It, it's really, really fast. And like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying when you're watching this, that it, it's incredible. And the, not only is it fast, but they're like, um, their body isolation because like their torso yes. is in just one place as exactly. they're doing this incredibly complicated foot movement but continue yes yeah so i w- but upon rewatches i don't think there is any manipulation here i mean other than like they did it in different takes obviously right um i, yeah, I don't think like there's any dancing. manipulation here and yeah. So much of this choreography, so much of this performance, and they they talked about it in interviews about like how exacting the two of them were and how hard they had to work to get these perfectly together. And I did go watch, same with the power line, I did go watch some clips of like other people doing these dances. There was one compilation I found that was just like 50 or 60 different people doing it. And it really gives you a sense of like how hard as you said the isolations but also just like how hard it is to do this especially that one move they do where they're kicking to the side and then they sort of just stop and they do a little heel turn while their heads are heads are switching yeah yeah and they make it look so easy but if you watch other people do it it's like switching from 
that crisp freneticness to just like the happy head switch is so difficult and they do it so well and that's not even to like there are so many different moves they do here they have the suspender ones that just seem like impossible (laughs) and then a couple like arm throws that i'm just like they put so much energy into it that i don't know how they got it so i mean i know that like dancers do that because uh i'm married to someone who was trained in dance and i went to school with a bunch of people who dance but even so i was still like god these like movie stars did this so unbelievably well and yeah i i and the the other thing i do want to highlight here is the editing of this dance i think is impeccable and it's extremely musical in a in a way that like i frequently get really frustrated with the filming and editing i get they go together of complex dance sequences because it gets really difficult to track the movements but if you pay attention if you count this one out they basically will hold a shot for generally eight beats sometimes four but normally it's eight and then there's a clean cut um it's not I, I assume there's a decision behind this. I think it probably makes it just feel a little more organic. It doesn't cut right on the beat. It cuts like right before the beat because I think otherwise it would just feel a little too square, a little too inorganic if you cut right, right on the yeah. beat. But it makes it makes all of the different dance phrases feel extremely organic. These kinds of dance numbers are so com- common in Indian film, in Bollywood and Hollywood, yeah. that you can tell that this is expertise, right? Mm-hmm. This um, And I, having watched a few uh, of these films, I mean, this is these kinds of songs with these very complex dance numbers that are filmed incredibly well for the for the dance uh, all of these things that you're talking about is just a hallmark it's a staple of of indian cinema um and we had one at the, the end of um in the credits for slumdog yes though this one's so much better um, oh yes <laughs> yeah like in it, it is miles and miles better and you know because this one's an authentic tollywood uh number whereas the other one was uh, you know, they had people involved from Bollywood, but they were also using Western uh, shooting sensibilities and, like, how to use the camera. Uh, so it, it just wasn't doing the same. It doesn't it doesn't have the same grammar that's established in in Bollywood and in Tollywood, these mm. kinds of dance numbers. And so this grammar is all established, and they're, they're building off of these things. So it works, um, and this is a very good uh, example of these, but also just turn on like any like Shah Rukh Khan movie or something like that. And you're going to get a number that's good like this. It's unbelievable. It's like one of my favorite things. It's I, great. Yeah. yeah. Even it, it's really, it really and good. It's... And also everything's really motivated. Well, mm-hmm. um, yes. especially what I love about this dance number is it, it's long and they get the dance going, but you have several moments where, where uh, you see that, that Ram is like the better dancer and he could beat beam, but then he loses on purpose so that beam can win. Cause he wants to be a good mm-hmm. wingman, and it's just great. So it's fun. There's also, it's become a GIF, but there's also the GIF at the beginning where the, um, the guy who tripped 
beam is sort of advancing on them menacingly and they're jumping back with their hands in the air before Jenny steps in and then you get the shot of them like sort of mocking him. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of those have be have become gifs that <laughs> I've seen seen a lot. I haven't I really seen, love but them. but yeah, it's, it makes sense that they're they would become viral. Yeah. The, oh, the only other thing I wanted to say about this scene is that uh, I did want to note this was filmed at the Marinsky Palace in uh, in Ukraine in Kiev. Mm-hmm. And. The biggest reason why is because of uh, COVID issues. Um, most countries weren't open at the time that they were shooting this, and so they couldn't get a bunch of white people in the country to go film. <laughs> uh, so the only place they could do it was Ukraine. So they're like, well, that's where all the white people are. So they just flew up to Kiev, and they filmed it there. And, I mean, the set looks great, and uh, the performances oh, yeah. are very good. Yeah. God, I just, like, I cannot get over that dinner platter rolling around for 75 seconds before it turns into a symbol (laughs) it's so good it's it's really really good it's better than the leap of faith from Uh, (laughs) spider-man that's going a bit too far i think but uh but it's a very good scene (laughs) no it i don't really think that but in the moment when i'm watching it i do think that (laughs) it's epic i uh this this number is so good it was my favorite part of the film um, yeah. but also when we were picking our scenes, I was like, I don't need to pick that one. Zach is definitely going to pick that. Yeah, scene. Zach's so, got that one. Yeah. It's, it's, so I and, didn't worry about it. And this was the song that won the, won the golden globe for best song. So yeah. I don't know. I'm guessing it will already have been nominated by the time this episode is out, but I think it'll be out before the Oscars. So I don't know if people will know yet whether, whether it has won. Um, I think it has a good chance of winning just against the, the lineup that it's up against. It's just hard to beat Beyonce. Like, people weren't really expecting that, I don't think. That's or true. weren't betting yeah, on that's, it. That's yeah. true. That's true. So, uh, Should we move on to our next scene? Let's go on to the next scene. Yeah, this one's yours. So what do we got here? Yeah, so this scene is the flashback into Rom's past. Why? Yeah, this is the opening of the second half. Why did he join the police? And right at this part, I was starting to get... Like, I was starting to get frustrated a little bit, like what is going on here? Cause I was like, why is this guy with the police? He yeah. needs to get his, you know, his act together because, um, he is working for the bad guys and he needs to chill and he needs to turn into a good guy real fast. And then he got bit by a snake and I'm like, great, he's going to die. And what's going on with this? And so I was trying to, remember and this is kind of where i'd taken a break so i went back and rewound to the first like minor flashback of this and i was like what's going on here that i'm missing and it was basically nothing. Right. And I you're was not like, su- yeah i go don't ahead. think you're supposed to clock what that flashback is until right. your second watch i think that's something they layered in yes uh, uh, but i went back and i was like well that didn't help um and so <laughs> i'm going for it and i'm like oh Great. And then like 30 seconds, because so I'm like paused and this is in between my breaks and it's like kind of bugging me. I'm like, I'm loving this film, but I don't get what this guy's deal is. And then I turn it on to like go back and watch and 30 seconds later, I'm getting the flashback and I'm like, oh, I just needed to like be patient for 30 seconds and I was going to get the Mm -hmm. whole explanation. And so the explanation comes at exactly the moment that it needs to. And you jump back into this flashback scene with, with Ram as a kid and his dad and his... 
I don't know. Listen, I don't know all the, the family tree di- the shenanigans that are going on on this. I couldn't figure all that out. But it's like a bunch of people that are connected, including like his friend or uncle or like a uh, cousin or I don't know, something that's working. Definitely in the family. Yeah. Father-in-law. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, I think it's his uncle who's in the military. I think uh, he refers to him as uncle later. Yeah, it's well, I don't know if he's just calling him uncle as in like, you know, an that's older, true. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I don't know. But regardless, there's all these different connections that it's jumping back to. Uh, and his dad was in the British military and he witnesses a guy get beaten to death. And you get this speech from um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Governor Buxton. Governor hate that guy. Buxton. Man, that guy sucks. This is the second time you get this speech. The second time you get this speech. And he gets up and he's like, listen, you need to understand about these bullets because they're expensive and they were shipped over here for me. I can't do the whole thing, but uh, he goes into about how, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a diabolically evil speech. And he talks about how this costs a lot of money. And he's like, uh, these Indian people aren't worth that much money to kill. So... Use something that's not a bullet because you need to save it for something that matters. And then he, like, beats this guy to death. So that's awful. And then you see that the his dad, like, steals a rifle and a bunch of bullets and starts training people and showing them, you know, how to use the guns, training them in the military techniques. And he gives this same speech back to them in the different context. And that part was just amazing. The way that he flips the speech back and is like, every single one of these bullets... I've thought about what is the value of it, and every single one of these bullets is a British soldier's life, and we need to save them for when we really need them. And I'm training you so that when you shoot them, you're not going to miss. And that that one that was great. And then yeah, he start... says he says something like, "You'll only be, we'll only be able to sleep well when it comes out of your gun and pierces an Englishman's heart." That's when we'll finally rest, I think, is what he says. Yeah, that that, that guy goes hard. Um, yeah. So, uh, very metal, uh, the speech that he ends up giving. And then you find out that Ram is, like, this great shot. And then you see him in this moment that, he, that his dad is defending against the British soldiers. And Ram is, like, trying to help him and trying to protect him. And he's this great shot, and he's shooting. But his dad ends up dying and sacrificing himself to save all these people. One guy against, like hundreds of british soldiers and then they end up you know taking a bunch of uh explosives and blowing up a bunch of people and it's it's a great action scene that's very moving and very sad as this kid watches his dad die sacrificing himself to to save his whole his whole village and then you get the you the realization that he is here specifically so he can infiltrate and steal all the guns and bring them back and uh help out the revolution and uh it was great that's epic all of a sudden the motivations make sense you're like oh okay i get everything that's going on here it all falls into place well and not only that this it happens in vignettes so you it doesn't all happen continuously right and kind of each time at least for me both times i watched it each time i cut away i like they succeeded in getting me to forget about what was going on and then we'd cut back and i'd be like oh wait we know ram survives this how the hell are they gonna get out of this Mm -hmm. and then it cuts back and i forgot about it again and then when it finally dawns on you like oh he has to shoot he has to shoot his dad to trigger the explosives he has to shoot his dad Um, to trigger the explosives and he knows he's not gonna miss because he's an amazing shot 
<sighs> yeah. That was that was that was emotional. That one got that one got some tears going. Uh, I was you know that one got me. It got me. Yeah, me too. And I think this is like where the emotional core of the movie starts to take hold because it is finally bringing those themes around the the one about it's not even really a dramatic theme but it's like a dialogue theme of getting to flip that idea of the bullet on its head but then also it introduces i guess this mantra this um load aim shoot that will continue yep. to yep. come back and sort of echoes a famous i guess this is something that's known about Komarum Beam, like if you know the figure, but he he is known for this famous phrase in India that I'm probably gonna mangle this, but it's Jal Jangal Zamin, which was his rallying cry of phrase that is very famous over there that means water, forest, land. But then it further like that's what those three words literally mean, but then it further means like and it belongs to the people of this land, not to colonialists and um so i think that sort of like three word rallying cry was supposed to connect the connect the two of them makes sense yeah yeah to explain how good this scene was um by the end of this scene i a committed pacifist who hates guns and doesn't believe in doing violence to anyone was cheering the murder of all these British, and I was just like, yes, get them, shoot them, kill them, right? Load, aim, shoot, let's do this, let's get all the guns. And so, like, it worked on me. It's a, the propaganda part of it was like, I'm in, like, I'm bought in, let's get them all. We gotta, we gotta do this, we gotta wipe out every single one of these guys. So, it was effective. Uh, very, very well done scene. Yeah, I, you also do get to meet uh, Sitha in this scene, so you, yes. you, who you had heard of a couple times before, but you see... The beginning of her relationship with Rom. Um, I think there's even something Rom's mom says. Uh, <laughs> even if she doesn't become my daughter-in-law, she is a daughter to me. Yeah, this is why I can't figure out how all the family re- relationships work. Because I was like, I don't know whose daughter she is or like what. I don't know what's going on here. And I can't figure it out. So I don't know. I need like a, I need like a chart and explainer for how all that worked. Um, yeah. So, like, is she related to the one guy that's in the police force, or is that like his uncle, or is that like he's just saying uncle, but actually like it's uh, his father-in-law? I don't know any of these things. I couldn't figure it out. I'm gonna need uh, someone to make a handy graphic to explain all of that to me. Yeah, I'm sure it's figured out, but you don't really get to spend enough time with. Yeah, it's fine. With, it's whatever with them to to figure it out. I think the re. So, I mean, part of the reason that like you, an avowed pacifist, is able to buy into this revenge story is like the the colonialists the british are really brutal in this movie and for a lot of it they are caricatures um i probably less caricatures than you would think like a lot of the stuff they said like sounds over the top but also in (laughs) this day and age i was like yeah that seems reasonable i feel like I've heard or seen people say exactly those things. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I assume that a lot of there's some of the stuff that's like you know not really possible. Some of the things that people do, but I assume that most of like the terrible things the British uh, do here are like you know things that British realistic. people actually did. Uh, because yeah. when you go back through and look through the history of colonization and the oppression of people by the British, uh, particularly, man, they were really creative and good at murdering people in horrific and terrible ways. So you know, they, I'm sure that. Uh, that you know, a lot of the things were worse than than what can even be presented in the film because, you know, they were so um, hor- horribly murderous and uh, effective at killing people, and torturing them. Yeah. So. And the, it it is really brought home when you see them just gun down, probably like an eight or nine year old girl, and yeah, that then sucks. also also Rom's mom, and then it's just like, yeah kill all these guys <laughs> like yeah yeah they just, get them they, out of here they walked in like this is uh, they, this is the price of their hubris um yeah so you know it's a you become a genocidal you know horrible people these people are defending themselves and you know i think that's an important thing to understand there's a huge difference between violence that is, yeah, is set up to murder people and like uh, attack people and take all their stuff versus violence that is used specifically in defense and to save life those are different things they're different uh, they're e- even from the perspective of a pacifist those are quality di- qualitatively different actions and so you know it's it's easy to to cheer for these people that are that are fighting and trying to uh, improve their station and get a hold of these weapons a lot of the movement around nonviolence does come out of india from this time period and i think it's important to understand that the the way these movements both that movement and the uh black civil rights movement in the 60s which was founded a lot on a lot of print those same principles the reason why these things were effective and were able to work is because of the interplay of the nonviolent and the violent actions that were taken they both depended on each other and they both enhanced each other and made each other more effective like there is a place for violence in defense of life and there is a place for non-violence and using those kinds of methods and so for me like I, I, non-violence and those methods that are used and using that to the best and the best actions that you can take in defense of life is a really important thing but it, it's it, it is dishonest to not acknowledge that that there you know it's people will get die, will die and they will lose all their freedom and go into slavery if you don't also have people acting from these other more violent methods in order to uh, make both more effective sometimes you have to rise and revolt uh sometimes you gotta fight back so yeah yeah all right let's talk about our last scene here okay let's uh, do it the last scene so this one's mine and i wanted to talk about uh Kumaram beam which is both an anthem and also our torture scene for the movie. Yes. The so, musical dance number torture scene. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no dancing, but... I don't know. The way that yes. he's using the whip is almost dance-like. Uh, That's true. That yeah. It's definitely choreographed, for sure. For sure, yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I guess I'm... Yeah, I'm curious how you feel about this scene. I love this scene. This was one of the moments one of the many moments that the movie just absolutely took me over and i was trying to figure out why on rewatch part of it is that i really like this song i think so i I guess so good yeah the the song is really good in this one yeah so i guess i will set the scene up a little bit so they finally have like learned that they're 
opposites and you know when beam finds out that rom is a police officer he is just so affronted um at this point we know that rom is working undercover but in order to keep his cover he has to torture his best friend and so you do get a couple shots of him but he can't like show it and so you get a couple shots of him like wiping away tears from his eyes and you can see how much it hurts him and this is eventually going to break him like he's going to write sita and say like i can't do this anymore and he kind of ends up throwing it all away yeah but so you the torture is pretty gruesome you get some really loud whips and then after the whips so much don't blood. work yeah um, so so much she, blood she throws down the the like queen lady who isn't really a queen but the hus- the wife of buxton um yes throws Catherine down Buxton a, is her name Catherine Buxton. And she sucks. She's awful. Oh, I hate her. She's oh horrible. Gosh. She's the worst. Ugh. I mean, Governor Buxton, her husband, is the worst, but she's, like, really, really, like, she sucks. Yeah. She throws down a spiked whip, which then you get to see him, like, test on a post as it, like, rips open the the splinters on the wood. And so it, it's clear this is going to hurt. And you are going to get some pretty graphic sequences of this tearing into beam's flesh but what i so what i love about this though is all the blood i love the blood no i so in a lot of torture sequences what it all hinges on is the acting and generally what's going on is you have an actor acting like they're being tortured while they are showing some sort of like they're trying not to give up information and so all you're relying on is that actor's performance a lot of times which is really good but what's different about this one is that there is something physical that is introduced that we are tracking and that is that they are trying to get beam to kneel and there's like this old acting trick where if you are not getting the performance that you want out of your actor you have them like do an action right you have them like do dishes on stage or you have them like be doing some task and there's just no way to fake doing that like you can either fold the laundry or you can not fold the laundry there's no acting like you're folding the laundry and it automatically makes the scene more believable even if you have someone who can't act and obviously like he does a great job of acting the scene that's not what i'm saying but just by having that thing that you're tracking where you're watching him struggle to not let his knees touch the ground to not kneel it for me, it succeeded in creating this feeling of rebellion. And so I, like, as he was singing this song and I was feeling, seeing that crowd, like, rise up, I think it was one of the most successful times I've ever watched a movie or musical or whatever where I was like, I understand this feeling of revolt. They have succeeded in making me think that what he's doing is a superhuman feat because it is. 
and that I was like so swept up in that crowd movement. And I, yeah, I thought it was a really clever, probably not intentional, but the function of that kneeling combined with the song being great was really successful for me. Yeah, I mean, it works really well. But I think uh, I think I would disagree that it definitely is intentional because I think it's kind of the definition of a nonviolent act. Like, not a pacifist sure, act. Yes. And not yeah. just, like, not action. It's a, it is a nonviolent resistance. The refusal to bend and the willingness to provoke as much violence from your opponent as possible. And then by resisting that violence and standing against that violence, you are able to uh, draw out a reaction from from everyone else as they witness just the complete inhumanity of the oppressor as they are as they are doing this terrible terrible thing. I think the other thing that makes this stand out to me in comparison to other torture scenes is that a lot of torture scenes are about the dehumanization of the person being tortured. And we saw that we talked a little bit about that in Casino Royale and the like um, the emasculization and the dehumanization that was happening to him in that scene. And this scene is not that at all. In fact, the more the beam gets tortured, the more we connect with his humanity and his and his his intense desire to fight back and revolt and struggle in this action of refusing to bend. Uh, and so it is he is humanized in his nonviolent resistance to this horrible torture. Yeah. I, I love it. And I love the, the overline, the overline, the, what the hell's the word? The voiceover that you get from Rom (laughs) after this, when he's writing the letter to Sita and he says, beam is not merely a sacrificial lamb. He is a volcano. And it's like, we just saw that, you know, like, I feel like that is such an easy line to write and such a difficult line to actually show on screen and have us be like, yeah, that's what that was. Yeah, it it works. It works. It's it's a great performance Um, from both of them, too, uh, because, you know. You're seeing the pain in Ram's face is he's like, I this is my best friend and I do not want to do this and. I want to cause him as little pain as possible. And he tries at one point to like kind of cheat his knees down um, and to like get his friend out of his and his friend resists it. So Beam resists it. And uh, he learns the lesson of the power of Beam's resistance by uh, through the experience. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. You also have that moment of Rom like pulling on the surreptitiously pulling on the chain to try and get him to kneel to end the torture sooner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with yeah, this, I mean, it's this sad. whole scene just builds so 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 well. It really does, and then the people are like pushing up against it, and you know, I don't. It's it's a really yeah. well done scene, um, and it's very effective and. Uh, I connected with that one a lot, and I will say, I I wanted to add something in because I did a little bit of looking back on this, and I don't know if we're just sickos. No, we are, yeah. yeah. Continue, though. But, or if this is a systemic problem, but we've had, like, a lot of torture in the movies we've watched for streaming. 
there's been there's been a lot of torture scenes show up and there's uh during the hulu season we kept having these torture scenes and i was like what's the deal with all this so i went back and i i looked at every film that we've done to see how much torture shows up in our films and there's a lot do you know how uh what number we're at of how many of our 44 films that we've covered between bonus episodes and regular episodes how many of the 44 have torture scenes in them I would guess probably, let's go a little under half. I'd say 20. That's a good guess. The number is 27, a little over half. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's close to 60% of of the films that we've covered. And uh, one of the things when I when I was talking about this, uh, you asked, were, were there any in the Disney Plus season? And the answer is yes. There's two, you know, two films that had quite a bit of, tor- of torture in them. With oh, what was the ones that I said? The Princess Bride, which has a clear and Toy Story, you know, and Toy Story. Both of these have uh, some pretty deliberate torture scenes. This is not even counting something like I don't know Snow White. That uh, there's like psychological torture going on that in that one, or The Little Mermaid. That scene where the dad goes in and destroys everything that belongs to his daughter, and it is clearly mm-hmm. causing her distress. Wasn't counting those. I'm only counting the physical torture. And I don't know, I don't have anything to say about this or to, to like proclaim about this, but I find it really weird and a little bit distressing that so many films use torture. And I think that a lot of them are not doing this in a conscious way that is undermining the even idea of torture and is that is focused on humanizing the target or the, the person being tortured like RRR does, I think that so much of it is this kind of dehumanizing thing and is in many ways kind of like torture porn. And I don't know, I find it disturbing. I don't know what my thoughts are all the way on this. And uh, I don't know. Uh, but I'll put it out to the yeah. listeners, you know, what people's thoughts are and things like that. So I do have some thoughts on this because I was thinking about it since you had mentioned it. I don't disagree with you that some of it is torture porn. I think it is. Um, but I think I think the reason for it is, like, if you're following a traditional hero's journey structure, then somehow you have to create the lowest point for your protagonist. And there are a number of ways you can do that. But if you want to create both an emotional and physical low point, both things that are going to make you think like this character is broken, they will never be able to recover, then torture is a very easy way to do that. It gets you both Mm -hmm. of those things in one fell swoop. And that is not to retroactively justify any one of those torture it's scenes, just a reason why it's used yeah i, I get what you're what, saying yeah exactly it's not an excuse and, it's a reason yeah yeah like i think princess bride is like a really clear example of it it's oh, yeah. like did it need to be a torture scene no but it exactly fulfills the function of making you think that your protagonist is down and out for sure for sure uh this is true and Dehabilitating them. Yeah, it, there's just a lot of it. Uh, for comparison, um, 
we have had 50% more movies that include scenes of torture in them than scenes that pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> so, uh, 27 versus 18. It's just a lot. So, I don't know. Uh, throwing this out there, I agree with the points that you made. I just also think that maybe we should be rethinking our relationship with the concept of torture and how much we uh, just let it sit in the background and don't even think about it. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts. Yeah, makes sense to me. I don't um, have anything else to say about this scene. Should we move into cleanup? We can move into cleanup. Yeah, let's do that. I don't have a ton else. So I did I did see that that opening sequence, Ram's opening sequence, they shot that for 32 days and they did have like 10,000 people that they had meticulously choreographed and um he had said like he was so impressed with how well rehearsed <laughs> those thousands of people were and that everything felt so safe. The honestly what was the least safe about it was how dusty it was. And so they had to have like white flags so that they could find find him whenever they cut. It's wild. That seems crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's such a great scene at the beginning too. You're like He's just still going, and I don't know. It's like I said, ten thousand people that he's fighting. <laughs> um, it's that's wild. Yeah, and it's just he's completely undaunted and determined. And by the time when he gets back, and that one guy's like, "I don't fear the crowd. I fear him." Uh, you're like, yeah, "Yeah, I mean, obviously he just beat the crowd." Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. It's very impressive. That that scene was great. So one of the other things that I loved. And, like, the image that is stuck in my head from this movie and, like, if I were describing how, like, crazy the action of this movie is. We talked about the disclaimer at the beginning that's like, no animals were harmed in this film. And I was like, or, or they're all CGI. It didn't even say they were not harmed. It's like, they're all CGI. And I was like, did we need that? And I was like, why did they put that in there? I guess they've, they've right. got a it few animals. Right, it is one of those, like, flexes. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then and then there's the scene where they show up to attack, like, the governor's mansion, and they, you know, like, slide this truck in, and it hits, and it opens up, and Beam jumps out with, like, 40 different animals jumping out with him and attacking Dude. all the soldiers. And that moment is, I mean, it's slow motion with like tigers and bears and like, uh, and, 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 uh, uh, boars. And I don't know, just everything jumping out of this in slow motion as he's swinging towards them. And I just like, it blew me away. I was laughing, but not because I thought it was funny, but laughing because I was like, this is, the wildest thing I've ever seen. Like it was, it was so cool and crazy. Uh, such a great scene. Yeah, I think this movie is an early front runner to win the streamy for best fire punch of a tiger. <laughs> for sure, yeah. So I know I still have a couple movies to go, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's going to overtake this one. It's 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 up there. Yeah, it's a. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Did you do did you do any looking into how they did all of these animals? No, I mean it was pretty clear to me that they were CGI, but I also thought they looked good. Like not realistic good, but they, I thought they looked good. Like enough to for me to suspend my disbelief. Yeah, so the so practically they had stand-ins for all of them. 
like some of them they had models that people were doing around but mm-hmm. in this scene in particular they had all these like rvs that people were driving <laughs> around the set <laughs> so that they could make sure that the oh, camera wow. was i guess what they were worried about is if they didn't have stuff then the camera would track in unrealistic ways for how yes. the animals were moving right. and so that's how they solved that but the actors were like there were all these moments where like oh that's a tiger okay that's a tiger (laughs) cool yeah i mean that's amazing uh also in this sequence the fire none of the fire is real which did not surprise me yeah but they said 90 percent of the water is practical that makes sense yeah i mean the the water looked pretty good um yeah also, just, like, where he grabs all the hoses from the fountain and is, like, the fire versus the water. <laughs> Ugh, so awesome. It's yeah. great. That's uh, uh, absurd, um, but great. It's so wonderful. My next thing... Oh, yeah, so you probably saw this. I mean, we've gone long. We can't go into, like, the real Kamarim beam and Alari Sitarama Raju too much, but the real Raju... I assume you saw this like he really did like just go into places and steal guns and but he also like left notes saying that he stole them and which ones he stole and like look out because we're coming for you which I just thought was epic so absolutely badass yeah that's epic I love it yeah awesome uh yeah I mean they're 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 fascinating figures of the other thing that I was just gonna mention is this like the final fight at the end of the at the end of the movie is just I mean, everything was over the top. But when he goes out and grabs like the, the Rama costume and puts on the uh, bow and arrow and is just like, you Dude, know yeah. going all Rambo on all of these guys, it was <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I mean it's fun and uh, you know, all these British guys are gonna die and you know it's cool. It's it fun. is fun and that action sequence is great and that final like thirty minutes is just an absolute rush. But on top of that, it is one of the most satisfying villain deaths I think I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they return his bullet to him. Uh yep. it's good stuff. Yeah, uh, the I don't know. The some of the religious overtones in there were a little bit much for me, and I was like, okay, but you know, sure. I'm a visitor to to this uh, to this genre, so you know, I'm gonna sit and watch it. And we're uh, it's the action was fun and absurd, and but absurd in the best ways. So you know, great stuff. I think. Oh, I only have two other things. I have none um, other things. So okay. So so one of them is like. I am a little concerned that there are like two big things in this movie that because of just how big it is, we haven't gotten to talk about how great they are. One of them is the cinematography and like there are just so many shots that are just unbelievable. A couple of them are that eyeball shot Mm -hmm. that you have reflected outside Rom's eye. I think it's at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I think um, it's when he's looking out of the crowd, right? It is. yeah. Yeah. And the cinematographer said it's ninety nine point nine nine percent practical. Yeah, what they I read in a few stuff around the edges. Yeah, what I read is that like all it's all the reflection, but they that the crowds like they added some of in the crowds in the back, like on the edges of it. 
I don't know if that's accurate to what you read. Yes, but. yeah. That uh, yeah. I listened to an interview with him, but yes, that that was what he said for that as well. Right. And also, I also wrote down that oh, the first time you see Rom, where the camera is flying across the water, but it's upside down, and then it flips over, and you see that you were looking at his reflection the whole time. Mm-hmm. Ugh, love it. Man, I don't remember that shot. Now I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Um, uh, It's like like in the jungle. So, is that the one with Bean? Wait, no. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to have to... Wait, oh no, I said said Rom, but I meant Beam. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but but I also still don't remember the shot. Because I'm like, in the jungle, that's Beam, right? But then I remembered Rom also is in the jungle at points, so then I was confused. But yeah, I don't remember the shot, but, you know, I'm going to have to go back and look at it because... Listen, that whole tiger chase scene was great too. <laughs> uh, as he's run through, which the they they mapped out. They were they like they said they did the math on like how fast can a tiger run, oh, and they were like, oh no, he's gonna catch him like in no time. So we have to add a bunch of like obstacles yeah. and figure out how to make this work because tigers are fast and they'll eat you. So. Yeah, they're they're speedy, speedy guys. Excellent, cool, cool, cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, fun, I, fun, fun film. And then my last thing that I want to shout out is, I mean, we've talked about the songs for this movie, but I think this score is unbelievable. I think it is, I'm looking at my list of movies I've seen. There are, there are some scores I really like from this past year. I really like Glass Onion. I really like the Batman score. I really liked the Northman score. I think this is my favorite one of the year. I think it is so good. It's really, really good. The Tar score I loved also. Um, was really I haven't seen Tar yet. So yeah, yeah. and uh, for me, I think Tar probably... I'm looking through uh, these films. I thought the Black Panther Wakanda Forever score was good, but, uh, but not on the same level as this. Um, and yeah, I think that's... I think I'm the same. I also really love the everything everywhere all at once uh, score and like the music in the background, especially what they did with whatever that one song is. But um, story of a girl. Yeah. Story of a girl. Um, but yeah. that that's the, not score, though. That's. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's music like it's music, which is a little different. Um, yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, I don't know. This one's really, really good. And I think Tar is the biggest competition on that. Oh yeah, I can't wait to watch that one. I'll, yeah. I'll have seen it by the time we, by the time we do our year in review. Sounds good. Oh man, I forgot the Nope score. The Nope score is really good too. Nope score is also quite good. Yes, uh, Prey yeah. also has a great score. So for what it's worth, mm, haven't seen that one yet, but I will have. So, mm-hmm. All right, so I guess that'll do it for this show. Thanks for hanging out for this epic. Oh, I guess the other thing I did want to mention, maybe I did say it, is that the three-hour runtime really helps this movie. Like, it is an epic movie, and one of the best things that three hours can do is give you that epic scope, and it helps. Yeah. Uh, It's a great example of film that needed to not be any shorter. Yep. So... Uh, All right. So, yes, our thanks, as always, to David Stewart aka Estoriel, for helping us with editing and also being our beta listener and also being a great friend and great human. As always, we would love to hear from you. Probably the best way is just to shoot us an email, podcaststreamit at gmail.com. 
And we are also still looking for feedback on movies that you liked from 2022. So if there's anything that you want to make sure gets mentioned in that year-end review or movies that you want us to touch on, definitely let us know about that. Otherwise, it'll be all our top 10 and any streamies we might have. Uh, And then next week, we will be back for our season finale. I'm stoked for this one. I have not seen it yet. I have not Uh, either. Dunkirk. Ooh, yeah, yeah, so it'll be a fresh watch one. for yeah. both of us. Uh, yeah, Dunkirk I, from 2017. Uh, unlike this one, I actually know quite a bit about Dunkirk going in, but that's fine. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, we'll cover it next week. So, yep. All right, thanks for hanging, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.